We're back in the book of Daniel chapter 1 tonight. And uh, I, I didn't make a promise last time. I did not. Um, I'm almost promising this time that we will not be in Daniel 1 again. Um, but I've learned to not make promises because the only sure thing in life is God. And that is um, uh, what something we ought to remember all the time. Daniel chapter 1, uh, verse 18, it says... Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. And uh, tonight I just want to really tag on to the preaching we've already done out of Daniel 1. So if you haven't been here, uh, I'm sorry that we're not going to go through all the details. Um, The rest of the folks are like, thank you for not going through all the details. That's four or five messages just out of Daniel chapter 1. And and yet I want to give you some practical help tonight. I'm calling it... A practical treatise on standing before kings. And it's a fancy sounding title for really just practical help for making decisions in the long term and then attaching short term decisions along the way to help you get there. And I hope it's practical tonight and uh, we'll, we'll just give you some practical help and then be on our way. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Lord, I'm thankful for the truth and I, I know that you, you want us to think on this level and sometimes we come to church and we think, well, why is this so practical and, and uh, we want something deep. And yet, Lord, if we don't know what to do with what we've heard, then we are hearers only. And the Bible says that we deceive ourselves. So sometimes it's good for us just to lay out some practical thoughts. And I pray tonight that you'd help that to be the case. Help us to be an intent to listen and learn and grow through the things that you help us to hear and learn tonight. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So let me just remind you what's brought us to this point. Um, I'm sure that in a crowd on a Sunday night like this, most of us are familiar with the story of Daniel, but Daniel and his friends had inner conviction. It starts in verse 8 when it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might, might not defile himself. And, and that's what purposing in your heart means. It's inner conviction. It's personal to you. It's serious to you. And they knew that the king's diet would not be kosher. It wouldn't please God with the way that it was prepared or with the animals that they were using. It would not fit with the Jewish dietary laws. And so even though it was appealing and it looked good and the steak and the wine would have been appealing, they were purposed to do right because they were more concerned about pleasing God than they were about pleasing men. And it may have seemed like a small thing to everyone else. I mean, All of their other friends, all of the other young men were eating the meat and drinking the wine. And they're looking at these four thinking, why is this a big deal? What does this matter? Have you ever known someone to stand really strongly about some point um, and, and you're thinking, why are you dying on this hill? Why does this matter to you? And sometimes we don't really understand what's going on on the inside, why somebody would be so strong and so adamant about something 
But I personally, in a culture like this, am thankful for people that stand, right, or stand strong in the areas of doing right because we have a culture full of people that are standing strong in areas that God is ashamed of. And they're standing strong for things that God is opposed to and, and they're standing strong for their abortion rights and they're standing strong um, for these other things that, that are cultural hot buttons right now. And where are the Christians standing strong representing God in this culture? You know, they set these young men, they were teenagers, probably 15 years old, and they set it on their heart as a personal inner conviction, even though all of the other teens had gone with the flow. Daniel was, was willing to take a risk. So he, he says, I'm, I, this is an inner conviction. This is something I feel strongly about. So he goes to the prince of the eunuchs on his and his friend's behalf. And he says, let us eat vegetables. Let us drink water instead of eating the king's meat and drinking his wine. Well, at that point, the plan was a three-year plan. And so he basically was going to the prince of the eunuchs and saying, would you let us, instead of eating meat and wine, let us take the veggies and drink water, and, and we believe that that would please our God. And, and the prince of the eunuchs um, it says, that's too risky for me. He won't just, uh, he won't just get onto you, he'll have my head if after three years you're found lacking. So Daniel switches it up, he goes to the warden, Melzar, and he says, okay, give us ten days. All we ask is 10 days and let us prove that our diet, our Lord, the Lord's diet, um, that, that the, the, the meal that he would have us to eat so we wouldn't compromise, let us prove, try it for 10 days, and if it, if it doesn't work, we'll scrap our plan. Now, that's risky because uh, it made little sense, first of all, but if, but if it doesn't work after 10 days, then what are they going to do? So this is faith in that he burned a bridge and basically was saying, give us 10 days, we'll prove it. If after 10 days, we'll scrap our plan. He was stepping out on faith. He believed very strongly that God was going to do a miracle with this 10-day miracle diet. And God did. He supernaturally intervened. He made what they ate nourish them greater than their, their peers. And after 10 days, they looked stronger and, and fairer and fatter in flesh, is what the Bible says, than their peers. Pulse and water shouldn't make someone fairer and fatter in flesh. But it worked because God intervened on this diet. And, he, and so Daniel and his friends got a green light to spend three years on this diet. Pulse and water, vegetables and water, grains and water. For three years, Daniel and his friends had to daily choose to keep the right perspective. See, diets are always better on day one than they are on day three, aren't they? Diets for me are better on meal one than they are meal two. So, you know, but Daniel and his friends, they had to be content with pulse and water 3,285 times. 365 days times three times a day Time three, times three years, they had to make the choice to be content with pulse and water while their friends were chowing down on Carnival and Texas Roadhouse. Every day, these young men had to choose if they were going to focus on sitting at meat or standing before kings. Sitting at meat is easy. Sitting at meat is simply accepting what's in front of you. It, it means you live for the moment instead of something bigger. It means you take the path of least resistance and we've got a lot of, and to our teenagers, a lot of, of young people in your culture and your age group are sitting at meat. They're taking the easy way out. 
Uh, there, there, there's not a commitment level to discipleship. There's not a commitment level to holiness. And we need some in your generation that will say, I will be pure, I will be holy, I will stand strong. I'm telling you, all it takes to stand out in this culture is to be on time for work now. But, but can you imagine if we had young men and young women that said, I won't just be on time for work, I will be pure in my thought life. And, and I will stand strong for God's holiness. I'll be balanced about it. I'm not going to be a Pharisee, but I will do what's right. It's an inner conviction. It's on my heart. And I'm not just going to give in like everybody else. The path of least resistance, that's what sitting at meat is. The instant gratification, that's sitting at meat. It, giving in to temptations when they come, that's sitting at meat. It's a very short-term perspective. And it's what everybody did except Daniel and his friends. No, they had a stand before kings kind of mindset. It means that you make your decisions based on the potential bigger moment that God is planning in the future down the road. That you look past the meat, you look past the stake, and you focus on the end goal. It means that you view your talents and your abilities and your skills as more than just ways to earn a living. You view them as ways to serve the Lord, like we talked about this morning. God gave you a body, not so that you would just deny everything about your body, but that you would develop and use your body to serve God. A, a, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Um, sitting, standing before kings means you have a mindset that says, I will live beyond riches, I will live more for my bank than, than for my bank account, and I will consider how the Lord might have me use my resources to make a difference in people's lives. That you spend more time on, uh, maybe on just on more than yourself and, and, and more than what, what you need, more than what your needs are and your desires, and you use your talents and your time and your treasures to reach the people around you. There's lost souls. Every day you see lost people. God gave you a body to tell them about Christ. When's the last time you used what God gave you to tell somebody about Jesus Christ? When you stand before kings, you focus on the ten times better more than the current hunger pangs. See, standing before kings means you choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. This is all reviewing. I'm kind of recapping that you stop viewing pulse as punishment and instead focus on the payoff. And if you eat what you want today, you get the satisfaction of a happy mouth and a full stomach. But if you put off what you want for something greater, the payoff is influence with a king. So Daniel is enduring some pretty miserable days, don't you think? Him and his friends, 3,285 days. I imagine there were plenty of days that pulse and water didn't taste very good. I imagine there were plenty of times they sat down and they smelled the meat and they looked over and saw their friends enjoying the meal and all they have is vegetables and water. But Daniel decided there was a greater purpose for him and he wasn't living to please himself in the moment. No, he got to stand before a king ten times better than the rest of his peers. And the only way that you're going to be able to stand the poles is to have a bigger purpose. See, saying to, no to your alarm clock, that's hard. But, it, but, but it's not nearly as hard if your priority in life is to walk with God. Saying no to being accepted by the crowd, young people, that's hard. But it's not nearly as hard if you realize that standing before your God and having nothing to show for it, that's much worse than standing out in the crowd. 
Saying no to the temptation of lust or some addiction. It can Listen, it's not nearly as hard when your bigger purpose is that God sees everything you do and you'll answer for it. You only say no to pulse if you're saying yes to something greater like standing before kings. So what does this literally look like? Again, this is a different kind of message, but how does this happen tomorrow? What does it look like? Well, first, I want you to think about the fact that all of us on some level have been willing to say no in the present to enjoy something better later. And you say, well, I'm just not a disciplined person. No, we've all, we've all had to say no to something in the present, to say yes to something greater in the future. We, whether or not you believe that you can, you've done it. I, I'm just going to give you the example of when we were, and I've used this example before, but it, it's so very real in our lives. When we, we built a house, and for about those, those eight months that we were building that house um, or so, we recognized that every penny mattered, and we've never been more disciplined with our money than we were that time that we were building our house. Uh, it's amazing what you can say no to when you're forced. You know, all, and we said no to sleep many, many nights because we had things that we were trying to get done. I've never slept less in a short amount of time or than in that season of my life. There were many nights that we would rather have gone home and just kind of packed it in and relaxed, but there was too much to do. And I look back on that time and I think, how in the world did we do that? But listen, after the period was over and we got to unlock the front door of our own house and walk into a finished house that we had designed, we had a hand in building, I'm telling you, it made all the struggle is worth it the payoff was worth the pulse and when you have a goal like that there's so much that you're willing to say no to that you really find you can say no if you keep your eye on the yes isn't raising children like that sometimes it means many long sleepless nights it means being inconvenienced when one of them wakes up in the middle of the night and gets sick and have you noticed that children never make it to the bathroom it's like, here is a bed. Here's my newly washed comforter. What doth hinder me from vomiting? <laughs> like, it's a palette. You know, I'm an artist. Here we go. Just go to the bathroom, okay? Have you noticed that? I mean, that's how it works in our house. You know, I mean, that's what parenting can mean. It means disciplining them when you'd rather let it go sometimes. I mean, honestly, isn't there, aren't there times where when you're raising your children, you have children. You know what this is like? If you know and, and if you've got them, then you know that sometimes you just don't want to mess with it. Well, you can either eat pulse or stand before kings. You, you decide, what do I want for this child in the end? Do I want them to be a spoiled adult? Well, if I don't, then I must do something about this right now when they're four and there's a measure of control. No, in parenting, it means that you don't get to do what you want all the time because there's someone else with a need that might be greater than yours in the moment. It means night, some nights in the hospital. It means many hours of training sessions. And that doesn't take into account the nine months of, of carrying a pregnancy and the labor and delivery involved in that. But listen... The reason that we're able to do that, and many of you in here that have had children have done this, is because children are a gift. It's like standing before kings. The end goal is worth it. So you're willing to put in the time and put in the effort because the yes in the end makes all the no's today worth it. Did I say it's easy? No. Eating poles every day, 3,285 times in a row, that's not fun. But the end goal was worth it to Daniel. Many of you have worked toward a greater purpose in your life. How many, I mean, how many of you have ever had a job? Raise your hand, okay? 
So, and we've got even our young people. There are plenty of times in your life that you got up when you didn't feel like it and you went to your work, your job, and you did not feel like it. Why? Because you've got to pay your bills. And you need financial security. So, so don't sell yourself short in saying, I can't be disciplined. I can't make these kinds of choices because if you have a job, then you do that every day. So, so just switch your thinking, maybe just switch the mindset and say, no, there are areas in my life that I've done this, that I've proven I can. And if that's the case, then I can do it in this too. Now, it's, for many of you, you've had years of commitment to your job or your career so that you can grow and you can have influence. Uh, if you've ever dieted to lose weight, then you've said no to many things along the way. If you've ever worked out to meet a goal, then you've said no to many things along the way. If you've ever said, saved money in order to pay off your debt or buy a house or you have fun, some financial goal, then you've said no to the, the things that you desired because there was a yes in the end that you were waiting on. The point is this, don't just automatically assume that this message doesn't apply to you because you have proven in your life that you are capable of making those decisions if something really matters to you. Most of us have proven that when we really want something, we're willing to make sacrifices to get it. It's hunting season, pheasant hunting season. And guys in this room that don't like to get up early, I can tell you the first day of hunting season, they're going to be up bright and early. Why? Because they care about pheasant hunting. You know, I, I, it's kind of like one of those things. You say, I can't control my anger. I just cannot do it. I'll never get over this. And while you're yelling at your wife and your children, guys, you get a phone call and, blah, 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 blah. hello. No, you can turn it off when you want to. We can be disciplined when we want to, but most of us sell ourselves short and we assume I'll never be the one. I could never spend that long eating pulse. No, when you're passionate about something and you have a goal that's important enough, you have proven in your life, I guarantee it, that you can do this. So today I want to just encourage you, some practical applications to this principle is first, have some stand before kings goals. Have some stand before kings kind of goals. See, Daniel made a three-year commitment, and it, it is good. I say it's this, it's good for us to be working towards something bigger than today. It's good for us to, because we live in an instant gratification society, and there aren't many plotters left. You know what I, what I mean by plotters? These are the people that just kind of roll along slowly. They're not making much progress. They're not going to impress anybody with their speed. They just plod along. They don't have to see the results today. They're content with just working and waiting for the results. And I'm telling you, if you will be a plotter, you're going to stand out in this culture because everybody wants results immediately. Microwaves have spoiled us. Fast internet has spoiled us because we want the answers at our fingertips. We want to fix everything right now. We want to heat it up and be done and out on, on, on our way immediately. But sometimes in God's economy, you don't get the immediate results. And in fact, most of the time in God's economy, you don't get immediate results. No, it takes a plotter mentality that I'm just going to be faithful, I'm going to be consistent, I'm going to be disciplined, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do day after day after day, and, and you don't let the little bumps along the way 
discourage you. The reason that long-term goals matter is when you have a bad day, it doesn't have to destroy you. Because that's not your definition of success. Your definition of success is what happens at the end. So if I blow it today, that's okay. It's not preferable, but if I blow it today, that's okay. Because I'm not looking to get only get by with what happens today. I've got an end goal in sight. That's a plotter mentality. Sometimes our goals are things that are thrust upon us. You don't have a choice. You don't get get to choose who you work around all the time. Uh, You don't get to choose um, the situation in life, your financial situation or your health needs. But you can choose whether or not you turn your difficulty into something productive. I mean, even when you face hardships, you can either go through it without producing anything. That's what everybody does. Or you can go through it and set goals so that the hardship has some meaning. You know, you may be facing hardships and you didn't choose them, but you can choose to make the best of them. You might as well set some goals. You might as well make the best of it. Everyone goes through these difficulties. Everyone is frustrated. Well, you might as well go through it and have it be productive. But don't just set any goals. Set goals that will make a difference. That's what I mean when I say stand before kings. See, we're really good at... at, at set, we actually are good at setting goals. We are good at having things that we're passionate about. And so I'm asking tonight, think about what you're most passionate about. Uh, So what do you spend the most time thinking about? What do you spend the most time worrying about? That's the same thing, really, because worry is just thinking in a negative way. What gets most of your time through the week? What do you wake up thinking about? What do you go to bed thinking about? What are most of your conversations about? So if you could land on what you're most passionate about in your life, if your current passion was realized. Okay, so again, think about what do I think about? What do I worry about? What do I wake up thinking about? What do I go to bed thinking about? What do I talk about the most? Okay, and then let that help you land on what your passion is. What's most important to you, okay? So in your mind, have something. Guy, teen guys, if, if you wake up thinking about video games and you go to bed thinking about video games and you talk about video games and that's, your, that's probably your passion, okay? So I'm just doing a real practical help right here for the guys, okay? So if your passion was realized, if your passion was realized, carried out to its fullest end, here's the question, what difference would it make? If your passion was carried out to its end, what difference in eternity would it make? See, I'm not saying there's something wrong. There are, there are some things wrong with certain video games, okay? We can all agree with that. I'm not saying that enjoying video games on some level at some point is always wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying if that's your life's passion and it was realized or carried out to its very end, What difference does that make for God? And we all have things in our lives that would fit in this category. We all have passions. We all have goals. We all have these dreams. We all have these things that uh, that are very important to us. If it's carried out, what difference would it make? Who would care? What difference would it make in somebody's life? Uh, What is your life about right now? What are you trying to accomplish? If you prayed, can you with a clear conscience pray that God helps you realize your current passion? 
I mean, do you find yourself praying, God, help me beat this level in this video game? Boy, I hope not. Okay, so if you find yourself praying that, do you think that God cares enough about that video game to answer that request? Now, God cares about everything that we do, but I'm trying to get us to hone in on, are we living our lives for things that matter in the end? Is it something that he'd even be interested in granting in your life? Are, are you currently trying to do anything beyond the ordinary for God? So we need some more Peters who step out of the boat rather than the others who just kind of sit inside of it. If you could do anything for God and you had unlimited resources at your disposal to see it accomplished, what would you do? I mean, if you could do anything for God and you had unlimited resources, what would you do? Don't just think about physical things. Think about the eternal things. Imagine yourself standing at the judgment seat of Christ and hearing him, having him say, so this was what your life was all about? Is that how you want him to speak to you at the judgment seat? Or do you want him to say thank you for giving your life to things that matter? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What do you want him to say? What would please him the most? What do you dream about? So what's stopping you? If you have dreams for God and you think God would be pleased with them and you think they would fit into God's economy, then what's stopping you from starting toward them? What are you waiting for to see it accomplished. Uh, listen, I, I mean, I'm just going to tell you mine. My top two, I was thinking about this today. My top two goals would be that I, I want to have a family that, that produces godly seed. My wife and I working together to have children that grow up to be godly. That's my primary goal. But second is my goal my, in my life right now um, on, in terms of occupation, you might call it, would be to see Eastside Baptist Church become all it's meant to be. And those, those are what I live for. That's what I'm doing. Okay, so what's yours? If it glorifies God, why aren't you starting? Why not start working to see it realized? See, in setting a stand before king kind of goal, you have to set smaller goals that don't interfere with that big one, though. Understand that. Because we can talk about stand before kings, and you could say, I want to win 100 souls to the Lord in, in the next 10 years. I think that's very doable. That's very commendable. We're not all about numbers, but, I, but if you don't have a goal, how do you know if you reach it? Uh, so you might say, I, I want to read through my Bible twice next year. That's very doable. And you, but understand, you can set big goals all you want, but, but unless you take some steps to get there, you'll likely not get there. You need some smaller goals or smaller steps along the way, but a lot of times we set big goals, but we're not willing to clear out the things in our life that are preventing us or hindering us. Uh, we had a, a, a man in, in Stillwater, we had a missions re revival one time, and and, and he gave a testimony, I'll never forget it. He stood up and he said, um, you know, I really have been wanting to give more to missions this year than I ever have. Is that a stand before kings kind of goal? Yeah, yes, uh, I think so. I mean, that's wanting to do something bigger for God than you've ever done. I don't think that's a bad goal, that's a good thing. But he stood up and he gave a testimony. He said, I've wanted to give more to missions than I ever have. He says, but I just recently bought a new truck. 
And that new truck is, besides my house payment, it's the biggest payment I have. And if I could just be honest with everybody today, I'm not able to do what I do, want to do for God because I just bought this new truck. But I also was convinced that God wanted me to take the step of faith. So tomorrow, this was on a, uh, no, Friday. So this was on Monday, he said, I'm, po- I'm going to sell my truck and get a cheaper truck. Because he didn't want the things in his life currently to hinder him from doing something bigger for God than he ever had before. And you know what? To that I say praise the Lord. Because you don't have to be in the ministry to do something big for God. You don't have to be in the ministry to set a stand before a king kind of goal. No, all he did was sell his truck so that he could reach his goal. And, And we need to think that way. We need to think, what would God have me do if there were no limitations and I had unlimited resources? What would God have me do in my spiritual life? What would God have me do with my family? How would he want me to grow spiritually speaking? What would he want me to do with my habits? that's preventing me from serving him like I need to? What does he want me to change in my finances so that I can take some real steps? Um, What does he want to do in my learning, in my memorization? Uh, How does all of what I'm doing fit into God's glory? Will it interfere with something spiritual? Will it interfere with something eternal? And, and, And what do I need to get rid of so that I can move forward for God? You say, well, this is just really practical and and, and bottom shelf, well, that's sometimes we just need to think through these things. You know, if our lives are to be lived for God's glory, then every piece of our lives should be connected to that. It's like this morning's message. The physical should shine a light on the eternal. Our finances should connect to God's glory somehow. If you're not giving faithfully to the Lord, it's not about me wanting more of your money. No, it's about you and your relationship with God. It's a commandment, and you cannot please God if you're not giving faithfully. Connect your finances to God's glory. Uh, how you're raising your family, dads and moms, uh, your family should somehow be being raised to contribute to the kingdom. Like we, we heard even tonight with the McCrary's. Yeah, I'm not saying that every family has that resource, but I am thankful for the fact that they're in that family, in that home, they're thinking, we're going to give you some skills that you maybe you could use in life, but really you can use them for God someday. We're going to connect the physical to the eternal. Your career should not just be about advancement and money. It should be about opportunities to make a difference in the kingdom. I'm so thankful for some in this room that are very faithful to bring people from work to church. And to me, that shows that they're not, their goals are not just financial or corporate. Their goals are kingdom goals, standing before king goals. They bring people to, to church and people have been saved. I'm telling you, that's where the vast majority of people that make decisions for Christ are coming from, is the people you know and meet on a daily basis and you're bringing them. Our talents should be developed first for God. We have, we have a room full of people with talent and I'm thankful for it. But how many of us are using it first for the kingdom of God? We all have physical gifts. We all have resources. The problem is not that we have them. It's that we live for them rather than using them for God's glory. And so, by the way, when you're setting these goals, if you want to attach to something significant, Christ died for this church. You need to strongly consider how to make commitment to your local church a significant part of your life. Why? For my sake? To please me? No. No, to give your life meaning. 
to connect it to something that matters. And you say, how do we know it matters? Well, Christ loved it enough to give himself for it. So he thought it was worth it. Commit to make, so we need to make stand before king kind of goals. But we also need to commit to make pulse decisions as we work toward those goals. Don't forget, Daniel made decisions based on the word of God. These weren't just kind of um, ambiguous, kind of out of the blue. No, he, he knew what he thought was going to please the Lord the most, and that's how he set his goal. And I'm just telling you, if you determine your daily decisions based on God's word, you can't go wrong either way. We may not reach all of our goals, but if you submit to God's word and you live God's way, it will benefit you either way. But you still have to know how to connect each day to a three-year plan. And, and I, don't mean that, I don't mean that specifically. I mean in a long term, the, the big goal, the three-year goal. Whether or not you see it, there's a connection between everyday decisions and your long-term goals. If you see purpose in your heart to support your long-term goals with discipline, you can't get to your goals unless you build some habits in your life today that support it. It's amazing to me how, you know, I can say, okay, I really want to be better at memorizing scripture, which is something I really need to be better at. So I really need to be better at memorizing scripture. That's my goal. That's something I want to do better at this year. And, and six months into it, I'm like, I can't believe I haven't memorized more scripture. Then I go back and I look at my 24-hour periods, and there's no allotment for memorizing scripture on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday. And usually Saturday, if I'm memorizing, I'm cramming for Sunday. So I'm not memorizing it long term. So how do you expect to meet these long-term goals, to do something significant for God, and, and to make a difference, to stand before kings, if there's nothing in your daily life that connects to that goal? It's not going to happen. I mean, we have some runners in here, and you, you might run um, uh, maybe a 5K race, or uh, Brent and Mary have been coming. Mary um, runs like 50-mile races and things. I mean, it's crazy. But you know what I also know, I said, but one time I asked, she's not going to be, hopefully she won't be upset that I'm using her as an illustration. I said, how, but how did you train for that in the winter? And she said, I ran. <laughs> like, boom, what? It's like, you ran in the winter? And she said, yeah, I just layered up and ran in my neighborhood, almost like, you're dumb. <laughs> Why are you asking me what I did to prepare for this? Because I'm, I don't run in, in the wintertime around here. I mean, except to, in front of my fireplace, I run there. But how, how, would, how would she ever get to running? Uh, she ran the Boston Marathon this year. I mean, you don't do that unless your daily, uh, your daily schedule allows for that. To be part of it, to be part of it, uh, you don't just get there on accident. So everything in your life needs to contribute to one of your long-term goals. And listen, this is not just true for spiritual things. If you have a goal at your workplace, or you have a goal um, in in dieting, you have a goal in your house, you've got a goal for anything. Unless you include time in your daily schedule, you will not get there. This is where the pulse comes. And the reason we don't get there is not because we don't like the end goal. We like the end goal, but it's because we don't like the pulse. And it may seem like a small thing today, but if you eat it long enough, it will make a difference at the end of three years.
So the third principle I want to give you tonight is this. Have joy in the process. See, it's one thing. We're at a conservative church, and I, I'm thankful for, you know, for being conservative. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that we, we don't find pride in the fact that we're conservative and we've got these things together. I think we need, as, cons, as a conservative church, as, as, as fundamental Baptists, sometimes we need some balance here um, that, that it's not all about um, the, the rules and the regulations and the standards. Like we heard this morning, it's, it's also a lot about grace. Christ came pre, uh, presenting the perfect balance between truth and grace. Um, but I think it's good for us to remember that in the process of, of the daily pulse, it's possible to eat pulse with joy. Now, I, I mean, I remember as a kid, I, didn't, I did not like to cook carrots at all. For some reason... I mean, does anybody agree with me about cooked carrots? Okay, a few, right? Be honest. Brother Doug, thank you. Brother Doug, we know he's got good taste. He loves Fuddruckers, and then it closed down. What in the world? But cooked carrots, I just I couldn't do it. It's the only thing that I've ever gotten sick on. And by the way, I did not make it to the bathroom. <laughs> so... Every time that happens, it's like, nah, I did this to my parents. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like them, but, but I can eat them now. And I can actually eat them with joy and lots of gravy. <laughs> you know, it's possible. Here's the thing is that we say, yeah, we've got a goal and I'm going to eat pulse because I have this goal in my life. I'm going to do this for God. I'm making these sacrifices and I'm going to make this happen. And yet our spirit suffers sometimes because we're so intent on reaching this thing and, and standing before kings and being a strong Christian and having the right standards and being conservative and doing this and doing that, and, and yet we, we can either be so focused on how bad the pulse tastes or we can be focused on how good the end goal is. See, you don't have to be miserable in the mundane. And if you focus on the pulse, you'll only be frustrated. But if you focus on the purpose, you can do it with joy. Instead of thinking about the pulse, think about the words that you'll hear at the judgment seat. Have joy in knowing that you're attaching every day to something that matters. You can eat pulse and have joy. It's possible. And before you think, I, I can't believe you're, you know, why are we going here? What are we asking about? I'm just thinking about Daniel. But really more than Daniel, I'm thinking about Jesus Christ. Who it, it says in Hebrews 12, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. See, remember what he endured. I mean, he left heaven and he came to earth to redeem a race of people that in large part almost exclusively rejected him, turned their back on him. He, 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 was, he crammed God's divinity and glory and power into a, a human baby's body. And he walked dusty roads. He submitted himself to imperfect parents. And he was hated and he was rejected. He was tortured and eventually crucified. But he attached, even Jesus Christ used this principle. He attached what could have been miserable to something joyful. And he endured the cross, but he had joy in the end goal, which was what? Well, God's glory for one, 
a return to his rightful place at the throne. But I also think that as he hugged on the cross, he wasn't just thinking about God's glory. He was also thinking about the souls that he was making possible for them to have eternal life. And his pulse lasted 33 years. But he did it with joy. And friends, we're told to treat our race like he treated his. So tonight, I just want to tell you, you may be going through something difficult and you're not really enjoying the process. But don't get in, give up in the middle of the pulse. And let your joy be determined by what's, what awaits you at the end. So tonight, I just want to ask, do you have any stand before kings goals in your life? Is there anything in your life that you, that you think, I, I, re, I want to do something more for God? I want to do something bigger for God? I want to do, I want to be, I want to do more in my Bible reading than I've ever done. I want, to be, I want to do more for missions than I've ever done. I want to tell more people um, than I've ever told about Jesus Christ. I want to be a witness like I've never been before. I want to do more for Christ. I don't want to just sit in the boat. I don't just want to meet the status quo. No, I want to stand before kings because I believe that God has given me the capacity to do more than what I'm doing for him. I don't want to just settle where I'm at. I want to stand before kings. And that's not a prideful thing. No, that is us accepting that God may have something bigger for us than what we are currently doing. Amen. So have you simply settled for life in the status quo? I mean, are you just doing what it barely takes to get by? Teachers, are you barely kind of rolling in just having looked over your lesson or settling for the status quo or are you really pouring yourself because you know if God's given me this opportunity then he must think that I, I could do more than what I'm doing so I'm going to uh, I mean it, what are you doing for God that you're just settling you're just doing it the way you've always done it no when's the last time that you dreamed of doing something beyond the ordinary for the Lord are you doing anything on a daily basis to get there if all you're doing is all, and all we do is just wake up and we go through the same routine and we have the same schedule and we just kind of barely survive and we barely get by and we don't really think about anything bigger in the end, then I can tell you we'll never get there. Then you must put some things into your life, into your schedule. If your goal is to read through your Bible, you've got to allow for that in your schedule. And it may mean that you have to eat poles and wake up 30 minutes earlier, but then you're deciding, is the poles worth the end goal? Well, I would say, yeah, probably it is. Because reading God's word and knowing him better, that's worth it. You'll never reach those goals if you don't do anything different today. Are you tired of the pulse? Well, everybody gets tired of the pulse. But we need to remember that if Christ can hang on the cross and have joy... And Daniel could spend 3,285 meals eating literal poles in water. Then it must be possible for me to go through what I'm going through and have joy in the process. Have you lost the joy in your Christian life? You, you lost the joy of going through the process and eating the poles and saying no. Hey, I'm telling you, it's not easy sometimes. It's not easy to follow the Lord. I mean, if it was easy, then he wouldn't have said over and over, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself. In a lot of ways, the Christian life is, is kind of a big no. No, let me say that different. It's a little no. No to this. 
No to what I want. No to how I want to react right now. No to the words that I want to say. No to the attitude that I want to have. No to the things that I want to do. No to sleeping in. No to spending my day on Sunday doing what I want to do instead of going to church. No to handing this track out to this. I mean, we, we have to say no to ourselves every time we're presented with something that we know that God wants us to do. It's little no, little no, little no. I'm denying myself, denying myself, denying myself. Well, here's why. Because there's a big yes in the end. And the big yes is that you stand before God and he's pleased with your life. And so I have to say no to the desires of the moment so that I can say yes in the end. And I'm telling you, if you will do that and continue that habit long enough, then you'll find it's possible to actually start enjoying the pulse. You know what? I actually enjoy cooked carrots now. I can eat them with lots of gravy. And I smile about it. Usually because my wife made them. And I, I don't, I, I'll eat anything she puts in front of me. Brother Samuel will not eat my wife's tater tot casserole, by the way. So if y'all want to talk to him about that, do it. I like your tater tot casserole. No, we can either live our lives frustrated or we can live our lives with joy. You, you get to make that choice. And as independent, fundamental, hardcore Baptists sometimes... We like to think, well, it doesn't really matter how we do it. It just matters what we do. But I don't think that's true. Because we have a Savior who did some really difficult things, but even he did it with joy. We have an example from a young man who did some difficult things, and it seems like he didn't complain about it the whole time. So tonight, I just want you to remember this. If you focus on the pulse, you'll be frustrated. But if you can focus on the purpose... You can have joy. Focus on the pulse, frustration. Focus on the purpose, joy. And tonight, I think Daniel can help us, and even more, Christ can help us. Maybe it's time to set some stand-before-kings kind of goals, not to just settle for what you've always done, and then commit to eating pulse to get there. And then third, maybe most importantly, is this. Do it with joy. Because then when you stand before Christ, and he won't just look at what you've done, he'll look at how you did it. And that part will please him too. And it may be that our motives and how we do things actually matters more to the Lord than what we do. If that, because, and we can take that from the, the Sermon on the Mount, when he, when he was telling them all the different ways that he was raising righteousness, it wasn't just what they were doing, it was why and how they did it. And I think sometimes we might tend a little bit to the pharisaical side of things if all we do is, well, we're going through the motions at least, but are we doing it with a heart of joy in the process? There's a lot to learn from the book of Daniel, and I hope tonight that these practical things have been a help. Let's stand, and we'll have an opportunity to respond to the message this evening as God has led you. Maybe you need to set some stand-before-kings kind of goals. Maybe you need to stop settling for the status quo and you've kind of been in the same place for a long time. It's time to get out of that. Maybe you're in the middle of the pulse of the hardness of the decisions. You're trying to get somewhere, but man, it's really hard right now. And maybe you need to ask the Lord to help you find your, refine your joy in following him. Um, maybe you need to take a risk, step out of the boat, 
and, and do something bigger than you've ever done for the Lord. I don't know how, how the Lord might use this tonight, and, uh, but let's give him an opportunity to do it. Father, thank you for the truth. Pray that you'd help us this evening to be submissive um, to whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is working on us about. God, help us to be people that are willing to take some steps in these areas because we want to do something more for you and to help us not to settle and just to be the status quo, but, but have a desire to stand before kings and be willing to eat the pulse in order to get there. Lord, we love you. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen.